There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with... Co-host, Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt-Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back. A couple of more great interviews coming up. Thank you again to Amy Medling. Healing PCOS. She's a, she's a very good guest. Very smart woman. We'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy, I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ooh, good song. Now we're cooking with gas. That's all I have to say. We are back, Tom Bernard Show. A couple of great guests coming up this hour. Hopefully that'll be uh, that'll be happening. Haven't heard from the first one yet, but Jessica Honiger 
will be joining us. Imperfect Courage, live a life of purpose by leaving comfort and going scared. In Imperfect Courage, the founder of the popular fair trade jewelry brand, Noonday Collection. Do you know what that is? Noonday Collection, either one of you? I don't know anything about jewelry. <laughs> I don't either. Shares a story of starting the rapid growing business that impacts over 4,500 artisans and vulnerable communities across the globe and invites readers on a journey of transformation. Now, by, by a vulnerable community, um, are you talking about trying to walk around downtown on Hennepin Avenue after dark? Is that yeah. a vulnerable community? Yeah, or are you I just vulnerable so. to the community? Probably you, you're more vulnerable to the community. It's I don't go downtown at night by Nobody myself. Nobody does anymore. I don't no even like going anymore. down in there in a group anymore. I don't either. No. I'll tell you the truth. I met a guy at a golf tournament. Well, it was at the Smile Network's golf tournament a couple of years ago. He was in a coma for six months because he was walking downtown on Hennepin Avenue. Um... And a group of guys was walking by him, and a guy hit him right in the face with a whiskey bottle. Jeez. Just out of, out of the blue, just hit him right in the face for oh, no yeah. reason. He was in a coma for six months. Yeah. One of, one of our One of our friends, well, I don't want to say her name. Yeah. But um, her brother was beaten to a pulp downtown. This is 10 years ago, yeah. 15 years ago. I mean, it's been bad down there for a long time. It's getting Nobody worse, cares. too. Nobody cares, though. No, well, most hey, people don't even know. If you tell them how violent Minneapolis is, they just won't believe you because it sounds yeah. it sounds so different from what they've been taught that they just can't believe it. That's true. But you brought up the numbers. Minneapolis. It's like it's in the ninety sixth percentile for crime 96th in the U.S. Percentile. And nobody in Minnesota cares. Nope. Not one person no, cares. No, As long as you vote all. for them. As long as you vote for them, they don't care. That's it's very, very just true. sad. Mm-hmm. And it's getting to be that way in St. Paul, too. St. Paul's still a lot safer than Minneapolis, but it's getting there. Oh, yeah, let's look up the uh, uh for St. Paul. Yeah, it's not as bad as Minneapolis, but they're going to get there if they don't if they do not do some more. Uh, just allow the police to do your job, their jobs. Well, How about that? Minnesota politicians want to be like L.A. or New York. They That's really, what they want. really do. Yeah, yeah. they do. You're or San Francisco. Right. And San Francisco, from what I understand, has just gotten to be a complete nightmare for most people. San Francisco? Unless you're incredibly wealthy. Unless you're incredibly wealthy and can live in a really great community and a really great building with security. Just walking around, it's so bad there. Let's see. St. Paul's in the 90th percentile. So is it's it, still so pretty high, but it's not as high as Minneapolis. That's high, though. To, be, yes. to have two cities right next to one another, both in the 90th and 94th percentile, is insane. How about San Francisco? Oh, San Francisco. They've got a, they have a law in San Francisco. I just was talking to you about that last night, Tom, about how if you commit a crime, uh, doesn't matter what it is, if you get in a car... And start driving away. The yeah. police mm-hmm. cannot yeah. do anything to you. Well, that might be why they are in the 97th percentile. San Francisco is. Yes. See, that is beautiful city has just been. I know. It used to be gorgeous. We used politi- to love it. Politicized out of existence. Although I remember 30 years ago when Andy was a little baby, Catherine and I went out to uh, San Francisco to see the twins play the. Oakland A's, actually, as a matter of fact, but we stayed at the Fairmont in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It was gorgeous, Not wonderful places. The only person that bothered us was a couple of guys going by in a convertible, um, and we were pushing a stroller down the street, and the guy yells at us, effing breeders. <laughs> Where do you think you came from there, buster? I know. <laughs> uh, well, I, 
I, I was like, what like did breeders? he just call us? Remember that? He said effing breeders. Yeah, well, see, a your mom and dad. A couple with a baby are, yeah. They're the enemy somehow. <laughs> I know. Somehow we did something wrong. I just don't even. Oh, those are the people that will bend over backwards and will die for the sake of an animal, but when it comes to humans, they could... Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, they're that type of people. I guess. What would be a city, like a big city, that you would assume is low crime? Is low crime? Because I really city, can't think of it. what do you mean by a big city? Like, I don't know, Minneapolis or higher? Say, I would um, say Dallas is probably pretty good. That'd Dallas, be my guess. Dallas, Fort Worth? Dallas, Texas, let's see here. Um, 91st, so a little uh, worse than St. Paul. A little worse than St. Paul, so that's not good. How about... Big cities are big cities well, are just bad places just to live. Now. Living in a big city now is a huge mistake. Well, it you really take is. away all the power of the police, and what are you going to have? Yeah, exactly. People that just do whatever they want to do. How about New York? New York, New York, it's probably a lot. New York is probably better. Although, uh, yeah, it's only 84th. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, they don't put up with a lot of crap in New York. It's Still, true. I don't know. They're very, very liberal. It's probably well, all those Italians. <laughs> probably is all Italians. Hey, don't get out of my neighborhood. If, you, if, they, if you put one of theirs in the hospital, they'll put one of yours in the morgue. There you go. Remember That's that? What I that hear. That's the old rule. There's no question about it. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't see allowing people to do whatever they wish to do, how that's a good idea in any way, shape, or form, because once again, most people on earth, not just the United States, but most people on earth cannot think beyond the level of a 12-year-old. Why would you tell someone who can't think beyond the level of a 12-year-old you can do whatever you want? Not a good idea at all. doesn't seem to be working. I don't understand. You know, I hate to keep harping on San Francisco, but I just saw, some, re- I saw some reports on it, and it was just... They spend more on homelessness than they do on most other services yeah. in well, the city. And you go through, I mean, they were just showing all of these people in, like, the bus stations and in the parks and everything. They're so strung out on drugs that they, they're, they're completely non-functioning. How is that helping them? No, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. How is allowing them to be, you know, junkies with needles in their arms in the street, giving them free needles, mm-hmm. yeah, free syringes, all this stuff? How is that helping them? It's not. It's not. They lie it, to themselves. It's. It, it's insane. It, it's basically saying, "Here's a cleaner way to kill yourself." Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Well, you know the the that beautiful young woman, that golfer down in Iowa, in Ames, Iowa, mm-hmm. that was beautiful killed golfer. on the. She was out playing by her. She's 22 years old. She's out playing around a golf by herself, and a guy rapes her and kills her and throws her in a lake. Oh my god! Right? And everybody's going, "How did that?" possibly happen what is that all about well they arrested the guy and of course he was living in a tent city homeless Mm. area you cannot pile them all together like that it's a bad idea really bad a city made of mentally ill drug addicts yeah that uh, enabling people to be drug addicts is not helping them and and nobody you know it's too hard probably to not help them so they just don't know what to do so they just keep forking over cash most of most of these most of large cities that are in a climate where there's a ton of homeless people a lot of that money goes towards just housing people Mm -hmm. yeah no it's true i I just it's not getting uh, them off of drugs i i don't know i i mean it's a complex thing because how do you get somebody to stop doing heroin 
Yeah. Well, you would think that they would try and utilize, um, you know, money better by giving them housing, but also giving them kind of like internship and trade jobs where they can learn something. I mean, Mm -hmm. junkies are going to, you know, unless they're really dedicated to getting off of it, they're going to go right back to it and they can't function when they're on it. Yeah. It's like, can't. it's like, what do you do with, um, those people because it's like you don't want to just they're people I you can't know. just toss them away we, and it's like yes, you can. when we Come were on. out in colorado some people were listening in on something that we had to say and i, I don't remember oh, exactly right. what yeah. we were talking about and they said i think you should just legalize all of the drugs let them kill themselves bye-bye yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean that's what they were like give them all cold, the drugs they want you know. I understand. I, we cannot babysit half the world. Yeah. I'm sorry you can't do it. Get off your ass and produce and, and contribute. That'd be good. Don't you want some worth and some self-worth anyway? Well, wouldn't it be a better idea to spend all that money on getting heroin off the streets? That'd be good. Maybe. So they can't get it? If they can't get it, they can't do it. But we're too busy worrying about what cops are doing because uh, there are, like any other profession... Probably there are 5% of cops in the United States, and that's a lot of people that are just not good people. But 95% of them have to suffer because of the 5% who do things like shoot people for no reason or treat people of other races poorly or whatever it is. Yeah, probably one out of 20 cops is like that. But let's look around. One out of 20 people, they're all doing something wrong. There's no (laughs) doubt about it. Well, they are. It's just just a fact. Well, and some good news... If we have any listeners in Glenwood, then congratulations, you live in the safest place in Minnesota. Glenwood, Minnesota? Yep. Where's, where is Glenwood? It's up by it's Alexandria. It's about ha- halfway between St. Cloud and South Dakota. What's the population? Uh, four four people. guessing not super high. <laughs> it's probably not real high. So I heard it's a really nice, I've never been there, but I heard it's a really nice town. Well, their violent crime rate is zero. Nice. Zero. It's pretty good. Iceland is pretty safe. Population 2,500. Oh, so, yeah, that's probably why it's so safe. Oh, yeah, you know everybody. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sorry, but the, the town in which I was born, Long Prairie, Minnesota, is about 2,500 people. And last time I went up there, uh, a person on the streets warned me not to go downtown. There is no downtown. It's like two blocks. Don't wander around Long Prairie uh, after dark anymore. Because it's not safe. A Long little, Prairie. Like, yeah, a little country that? town like that. Well, I wonder, is Long Prairie, are they um, inundated with meth? Uh, there's a rendering plant there that has a lot of illegal immigrants working there. And I'm not, I don't know where they're mm-hmm. from, whether they're from Mexico or whether they're from Europe. Or, mm-hmm. So I'm not going, oh, it's the Mexicans. That's well, not can, what I'm saying. And don't try to put words in my mouth. That's not what look I'm saying up at all. Long Prairie right there. There you go. Yeah, because a lot of times, especially in small towns, usually... If it's a small population, but you have high crime, it's usually like meth involved yeah, because yeah, you have true. a lot of theft and um, violence going on mm-hmm. because of that drug trade. That yeah, makes sense. It yeah. makes total sense. It's so small that you they don't have the data. <laughs> they don't even have the data because it's too small. So, <laughs> yeah, it's probably only about eighteen hundred people. And it was a it was a pretty little downtown area too. It was so yeah. sad. And all those stores are closed. There's a couple of bars that are still open, but that's about. It. Yeah, it's all part. the businesses downtown are shut, other yeah. than a couple of bars and one cafe. Fun. They're all mm-hmm. shut down. The movie theater shut down. The all the department stores, or I mean, there was like smaller, smaller kind of department stores, not any big ones, but it was a great place, you know, to go when I was a little kid and visit my my grandparents up there. But uh, last, well, we were just there last summer. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we looked around downtown. It's like, good God, uh-huh. what happened? Notable people from Long Prairie: Charles P. Davis, an Army soldier who got the Medal of Honor. See, Jody Hoisen. Who's in Trude? Who's in Trude? Yeah. News anchor who yep. disappeared and then uh-huh. was found dead. Yep. And oh, Tom they... Bernard. Really? Mm-hmm. What? You're what? one of the three notable Whoa. people from Long Prairie. <laughs> there you go. You made the list. I didn't know they found Jody Who's in Truth dead. I thought they never found her. Um, let's see here. Yeah, they never found her. Oh, Did, no, yeah, she's she still missing. Wasn't she Duluth or something? Yeah, she's still no, missing. Iowa. Uh, she's Mason from, that's right. That's yeah, right. she's from here. Mm-hmm. She went down to Iowa to be a news anchor. That's right. And she was hoping to make it actually back to this market. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was, right? Yeah, because she was doing the business. And, yeah, that case, wow, Dave did a True Crime Tuesday podcast on it. And some of the details I didn't oh, even yeah. know about. Yeah. They declared her dead, but yeah. she still hasn't been found. But and they then, know who did At this it. point, I don't think so. Well, when I uh, they did know who did it. There actually are, I think there's like two or three suspects that they're pretty sure were involved there's a guy named john vansis really yeah. uh there's a search warrant out for him as of this march actually really because there's no statute of limitations on murder there is not mm-hmm. it's true so i'm the only living notable person from long prairie well what about that other oh, the medal yeah. of honor guy um well medal of honor that was probably in world war ii well it could have been it could have been vietnam that's true it could have been uh, Vietnam, absolutely. Or Afghanistan. Maybe even the Korean War. That was in 51, so now those guys are... The Philippine-American War. That was a long time ago. He's been dead for 70 years. Oh. He's been dead for 70 Honey, years? Oh, yep. So he died you're before I was even it. born. He, uh, yes, 1943. Yeah. Look at you, notable long from Long born. Prairie, getting a ah. award on Saturday. It's just... Imagine uh, living... It's Tom's world, and we just live in it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel. There's Imagine no living in North Dakota in 1900. Yeah, there's nobody there. There's still only what seven hundred twenty thousand people in the yeah. entire state. Really? But yeah, he yeah. was he was actually. They all live in Fargo. <laughs> Fargo and Grand Forks yeah. and Bismarck. That's he about moved it. to Valley City, North Dakota. Yep. Which even now only has sixty five hundred people in it. Yep. Oh, here we go. Historical census. Well, twenty five hundred and nineteen hundred. It was Boomtown. Hmm. See. We will take a break. We'll be right back and find out other notable people from small towns in Minnesota. <laughs> Tom Brown Show. It's Tom here to tell you how easy it was for me to hit my goal of 92.5 pound weight loss at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I started in March, and in just over five months, I learned about clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. I'm now on the reset phase, and then on to the Nutramost Forever Maintenance Program which I'll be talking about more in the weeks to come. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did. Attend the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It's on Monday, September 17th, 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. I'll see you there. Those extra pounds melt away really fast with this easy program. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. I guarantee you that. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner. It is on September 17th. Call 763-333-7337. That is 763-333-7337. 
a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. Oh, I love this song. Here's my buddy Steve Perry. I kind of very, very buddy. small town. <laughs> yes. What a nice man. I had the great honor and pleasure to interview Steve Perry, the first guy in 27 years that he did an interview with. And he was just wonderful. He's a very, very nice man. Yeah, you got a lot of positive feedback on social media for that oh. interview. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Me getting positive feedback? I know. How did it ever happen? I should, like, put that pin those at the top of every page. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. No, he was. He was absolutely wonderful. We talked for an hour and talked about everything from his his life and how he, how he uh, took up with a woman he knew was going to die, but he was fascinated by her, and mm. she was fascinated by him, and he he knew she was going to die, and, of course, she did, but he had the intestinal fortitude to get it done and so did she and god bless him that's a wonderful story tony romo has made a name for himself as a legendary american football quarterback holding several cowboy team records including passing touchdowns and passing yards no wonder cbs sports hired romo to serve as the lead analyst for the network's nfl telecast working alongside jim nance after replacing phil sims on the network romo's latest gambit has left network sponsors seething Romo caused a frenzy last... This is from GQ, by the way. Romo caused a frenzy last week when he and Dr. Phil unveiled their new erectile dysfunction fix on the network. (laughs) After the episode aired, mainstream media exploded, calling for Romo's head on a platter. Why? If he's going to help people overcome erectile dysfunction, what the hell's wrong with that? Wait, what? Why are they mad at him for talking about an ed pill i don't know after the episode aired mainstream media exploded <clears throat> calling for romo's head on a platter i am happy romo found this primal surge xl to solve his uh, downstairs issues but it was unprofessional he should resign from the show what he's trying to help people what so, is the problem so here? he mentioned Wait, it as is... a commentary so uh, this is tony dr. romo yeah tony romo apparently it was on dr phil i'm not mm finding anything and it, well this is from gq magazine it says here yeah, i don't know why they would be mad at unless it was I like an either. like kind of like the wrong place wrong or uh, what is it everything's, <laughs> everything's so complicated today you know what i'm saying like did he say it in a inappropriate environment or something like yeah, yeah, was he in that. front of a bunch of five-year-olds <laughs> talking <laughs> about erectile yeah. dysfunction i don't know it probably wouldn't have been the best decision but yeah i don't understand why people and i, I just checked the source it is from it is from gq magazine so i don't know it's whatever 
it all works out in the end. Unless somebody stole their logo and their uh, magazine description. Maybe maybe I, somebody stole it. I don't see anything online about this. Where are you seeing this? It's on Newser. Mm. It is on Newser. I wonder if... I'm just trying to look. What is Poster Petite? What is that? I don't know. Small poster? <laughs> yeah, small poster, I guess. I don't really understand that uh, myself, but that's that. Uh, pretty new news here. Four people were shot and wounded during a shooting Wednesday this morning at a software company in a suburb of Madison, Wisconsin. According to a city administrator, the suspected shooter was also injured critically during the late morning shooting at WTS Paradigm in Middleton, uh, city administrator Mike Davis. Every time I see that word, I think of one time listening to the radio. <laughs> yeah. What are you locking the door for? Oh, because people are shooting everyone? <laughs> yeah, let's lock the door. I did hear a guy on on the radio one time. He was reading a story. And, of course, this happened at Paradigm. Paradigm? Yeah, yeah Paradigm. Paradigm mine. Well, it's P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, so he thought it was Paradigm. Paradigm. Um, in any case, he said police have lifted a lockdown but did not immediately have additional information. The AP reports a spokeswoman at University Hospital said the hospital has accepted four patients from the shooting. Their conditions were not immediately available. The Dane County Dispatch uh, Center said shots were reported around 10 o'clock in the morning at the building, which also houses Esker Software. Police and multiple ambulances responded. So there has been a multiple shooting uh, just outside of Madison, Wisconsin, a suburb of Madison, Wisconsin. I don't know. What, what do you think drives people to want to open fire on their coworkers? I think it's a lifetime of disappointment and, yeah, maybe. Might be uh, right probably that. some, and, and most likely, I'm 99% sure on this, mental illness. Yeah, that is true. Look, I mean, we all work with people at some time in our lives we don't care a lot for. We don't care for them at all, as a matter of fact, or they don't care for you or whatever. But wouldn't you get another job or wouldn't you just move on and just say, I don't really want to work around these people? Well, sometimes you're stuck. Maybe, you know, yeah, maybe you don't have any other skills and the job market's not so great. And yeah, I, guess I mean, so. I think a lot of people are also very frustrated right now with the salaries that are just like staying stagnant for people. It's it's tough. It's tough out there. Yeah, I suppose it is. That, I mean, this does make yeah, sense. And people that have a tendency towards a mental illness, you just get all this stuff compounded on top of it. And I think they just blow. Damn, I was going to call. Yeah. Uh, uh-oh, here it says, uh, Joseph Steinhauser, Joe from Louisville. Yesterday, Catherine wanted to stab you in the heart, and today she stabs you in the back. I never <laughs> said I wanted to stab him in the heart. And when did I stab you in the back? According to Joe from Louisville, you just uh, did. But don't worry about everybody. my feelings. Don't worry about my feelings. It's, it's uh, you know, it, it, I just think people have just gotten so, they're allowed to be so horridly mean it's true. to everybody. You're, and it starts at right in the top offices of the United States of America and it goes all the way down. People are just mean. Yeah, I, they are. I did this thing. Um, I had purchased tickets for Alex and the kids to travel. Yeah. Right? right. They, had a, they had a nonstop flight and Delta all of a sudden said, oh, by the way, that nonstop flight's no longer in existence. Now they have to stop in Atlanta. Right. And I was like, two kids yeah. stopping in Atlanta? Do you know how hard that's going to be? Yeah, exactly. And, and they had like a 40-minute layover, which means that, you know, she couldn't even have taken the baby to the bathroom or anything. It would have been really tough. So I tweeted to Delta about it, and I got it all straightened out through tweet 
it's it was amazing. Andy, what is the Spanish word mina? Uh, thanks for listening to me. <laughs> I will listen to everything you said. I wasn't I agree done. With you. Oh, I thought you were done. So this guy sees my tweet and starts ripping on me that I'm a horrible diva who can't do a, a stopover. I'm like, first of all, the tickets aren't for me. It jack ass. ass. Mm-hmm. And she's traveling with two little children. I don't think she wants to do a stop. And it's like, how? Well, he, what gives him the right to even say anything about it? He doesn't know anything about the trip. He doesn't know what I'm talking yeah, about. You're right. He instantly attacks me and calls me a diva. That's what yeah. they do because they don't have to answer for their rudeness or their aggression. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with people? He doesn't even know the I story, know. but he just assumes that I'm somehow, you know, a horrible human being. Did he know you were my wife? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's probably I have no what the idea. big sin was. So, I mean, I, blo- I, I blocked wife. him. I deleted the conversation. What's the guy's name? You're I don't know. I don't care. I just, I don't know what is wrong with people. I just yep. would love to know. Yeah, I, I know. I've gotten to the point where I'm not going to even try and wrap my head around it anymore because it's like a fast-moving wheel that keeps changing, and it's the psychosis that people have today. I, yeah. It's bizarre. Very I, true. I mean, they're just words typed or, you know, like, whatever it is. It's like, why are you taking it so personally? Yeah. And what does any of this have to do with you, People, by the way? Well, <laughs> I know. They have to inject themselves yeah, why? into everything. Yeah. This had nothing to do with anybody. I, I swear people want to be miserable. Yes, they, they do. do. And they yeah, find right. ways they to be miserable by interjecting into something that they have nothing to do. You know, they have no part in it. No, nothing. No, no skin in the game. They feel like they have an opinion and everybody needs to know it. Yes. I, my favorite um, explanation of all of this was Andy with the dollar bill store. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, said, he said, people are just so unhappy. If, if you had a dollar, free dollar bill store and you gave everybody a dollar bill, some people would be like, my dollar bill smells funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why don't you give me two one dollar bills? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would. They'd complain they would about complain. getting a free dollar. Yep. They absolutely they would. absolutely would. Why can't I get four? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. It's just sad. Live your life in a happy manner. Enjoy your life. You've only got one go round. Yeah. Why do you want to be yeah. so miserable? Let's try to make this this planet, you know, a happier place for everybody. Just mm-hmm. treat everybody well and do your best. And, well, and that, shut up. That was the goal, to treat everyone well, but we just don't do it. Well, we never I think have. social media gives a platform for people. Because I, yeah. I think people have been miserable for a long time. Yes. But now they have a place where they can spread that misery. And, mm. and, and another thing, too, it's human nature to project. Yeah, it so, is absolutely to project your feelings. So if you're miserable, then everybody's got to. Yeah, I got to bring them down to my level. Exactly. I want everybody to feel the way I feel, right. and I, they just go through life with that mentality. And it's like, hey, don't rain on my parade. I'm having a good day. Right. I, you know, I saved five bucks on a sale. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the key to life: is saving five bucks. Now we're talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, if you tweeted out, save five bucks today, you stingy, horrible person. I know. That's why you we make can't money. Have- who can't have higher wages for the workers. Oh, <laughs> Beth Macy is on the line. Beth is ready to go. Beth, we're just complaining about humanity. Do you mind? Chime on in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she goes, oh, yeah. Uh, see, Thanks I, for having me. Oh, it's a great pleasure to have you on. Ladies and gentlemen, Beth Macy, the book Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America. I love this. Beth, I'm just going to sit back and listen 
because we love railing on drug companies on this show. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we do. I, I just am so... When, I, when we heard last week, Beth Macy, that uh, Big Pharma buys generic brands of the exact same drug they sell for a lot cheaper, they buy the generic brand and shut them down. Yeah, they pay them off. It's mm-hmm. terrible. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. understand why that's... been a lot of wealth made um, yeah. and a lot of addiction created. Well, no from, doubt about it. From that very attitude. Yep, you're absolutely right. Beth Macy, dope sick dealers, doctors, and the drug company that addicted, addicted America in this master... Ooh, did you write your own bio? Because it says, in this masterful work, Beth. <laughs> she starts laughing. That's phenomenal. But maybe my editor did. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Beth Macy takes us into the epicenter of America's 20-plus year struggle with opioid addiction mm-hmm. from distressed small communities in central Appalachia to wealthy suburbs from disparate cities to once idyllic farm towns. It's a heartbreaking trajectory. But by coincidence, uh, we were just talking about this uh, and looking at small towns throughout the state of Minnesota and and pretty much throughout America, um, and the fact that they used to be these, well, as they were described by your, your editor or your PR person, the, the idyllic small towns, they're, some of them are just as dangerous as big cities now because of the drug problems, correct? Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, I, I, I begin the story um, in one small town, but then I go back to kind of how we got here and I begin it with an idyllic farm town. And then I go back to the distressed communities in America, which is where Oxycontin first popped up as being a really bad problem with overdose, overdose death, and just addiction and abuse. And of course that was happening in these communities where a lot of the jobs were going away, like in central Appalachia, the coal mines closing, the textile plants and furniture mm-hmm. factories shutting down. And that's why you see places where there are, like, instances of um, uh, job injuries, you know, mining, uh, factory work up in Maine with an early hot spot, fishing and logging. And the, Purdue Pharma sent its reps out to communities where they were already being prescribed uh, competing opioids with the message that our brand-new time-release mechanism um, that – fuels oxycontin makes it different and better and therefore and the fda allowed them to say this less likely to cause addiction and abuse and of course that's kind of what got us here that and this whole notion that they also helped fund that that pain was being undertreated at the time and pain should now be seen as the fifth vital sign so you saw the narrative flip from we only use opioids for very severe end of life and cancer pain to in the late to mid, mid to late 90s um now we're going to use it for moderate pain back pain and we're going to say it's not addictive uh, or it's addictive in quote less than one percent when of course it was immediately a problem in those regions and the and immediately people began crushing it and um snorting it because it was just so darn um strong and um that helped seed the addiction you know what's amazing, Beth, is I'm a very, very lucky person because I've been this way my whole life. Painkillers make me sick. Me too. I can't they take do. them. I cannot take them at all. They make me sick immediately. I don't even remember. What was the class of drugs? What did we take before Perco- we had Percocet. The- Percocet? That's also an opiate. Oh, is that an opiate too? Yep. What? Well, yeah. It must have been all opiates, I guess. Well, yeah, people- they make it's me been sick. opiates for well over a century. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. 
There you go. Yeah, but we didn't use them back then for, for I mean, that's really what got us when they flipped the narrative and said, yeah. now it's safe for moderate pain. And so, I mean, I mean one of the most chilling stories is a prosecutor telling me the first time he arrested uh, a wealthy kid in the suburbs doing heroin. He looks at his phone, and, of course, all these kids have gotten started stealing leftover meds from their parents' and grandparents' oh, medicine yeah. cabinet. Yep. Uh, they think the problem's going to go away because they put a couple kids in jail, but look, look at their phone, and they've already been dealing and using with 50 different people in their phone. God. And I just heard story after story like that because when the pills got hard to get, the dealers started bringing heroin in. Of course, now the heroin's been cut with fentanyl, and that's what's driving um, the overdose death. So what's the answer? That, that you see no sign of um, slowing. Uh, well, good question. It's a, it's, a, it's a complicated answer to that question, um, but you're already starting to see some slight overdose death reductions in a few New England states, uh, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, that are working on harm reduction initiatives like syringe exchange, syringe exchange and recovery programs where people can come in, especially people, so many of the addicted people are living on the streets now. They can come in, they can get disease testing, they can get ideally connected into treatment. And also these are the states that are being pioneers in giving people uh, access to medication-assisted treatment so that if in Rhode Island you overdose and end up in the ER, they are going to funnel you directly into uh, medication-assisted treatment, which is uh, typically buprenorphine, which is a weak opioid that uh, reduces cravings for people and helps them get uh, their lives back together. Beth, I need to take a very quick break, but we're, you can stay with us sure. out for another segment. Yeah. Excellent. Thank we'll you. be right back more with Beth, Beth Macy, Tom Bernardo. John, I just got another complaint about our delivery service. Oh, not again. Yep, we have to do something about our courier service. You know, they're a reflection of us. What happened now? Well, you know that one driver that has the dog that rides with him? Uh-huh. Well, when he got out of his truck to deliver our package, his dog got out and delivered, well, uh, his own package, if you know what I mean. That's it. I want you to call... Priority Courier Experts, because you know they've got more than 500 drivers. And tell them we need... A professional, reliable courier service. And make sure they have internet order entry and real-time tracking you know i had priority courier experts account rep in here about a month ago and who knows how many accounts we could have serviced better if we had just signed up and started using the twin cities largest most reliable on-call courier service what's that number because the next package is going with priority courier experts already dialing 651-748-4477 priority courier experts can we help you can you ever priority courier experts every time you call us we deliver Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. It goes with a drug addict song. Way to go. And no rain, because it's been raining, what, for the last three days? Three days? Yeah. And by the way, it is true that Cassie has a mouth full of Rice Krispie treats. Way <laughs> to do. go. Way to go. I'm hungry. Beth, I think she's addicted to Rice Krispie <laughs> treats. Wow. We That's need a- to do something about her. Um, 
Beth Macy with us. The book is called Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America. We, of course, uh, it's been over a year ago, and I can't, hard to believe, but Prince, who was the darling of uh, the state of Minnesota, it was fentanyl that killed mm -hmm. him. It was just a sad, sad story. Yeah. Now, Beth, the thing about that is, and that's why I brought it up, I wanted to ask you. So this man goes into some kind of a drug state, basically, from what I understand, dies on his airplane. They yeah. land in Joliet, Illinois, or someplace like that. Mm -hmm. They hit him with Narcan. He comes back. And then nobody's by his side, and a week or two later, he, he dies from a fentanyl overdose. Why wouldn't you, someone yeah. who needs Narcan, why wouldn't you have somebody watching him 24 hours a day for at least a few months? Because he's Prince. That's part of the problem. Because he's Prince. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's and people don't understand um, drug addiction. I mean, he is Prince. Uh, somebody in my book says that's why... Uh, rock movie stars and rock stars get the worst medical care because no one wants to tell Prince that he has an opioid yeah. problem. Yeah, I suppose. And nobody wants to tell him that because the larger issue is stigma and people don't want to talk about it. I mean, I'm really hoping right. my book helps generate conversation and um, and understanding because as we've already discussed this, a really complex issue with no, you know, we do this, then we'll, this will go away. I mean, that's just not the way opioid addiction works. Yeah. Uh, the guy's uh, research at Harvard shows it takes the average opioid addicted person eight years and four to five treatment attempts just to get clean for one year. Oh, man. So yeah. it's not an easy well, he, problem to come back from. Yeah. Prince, of course, should have been put in a treatment program right. uh, the moment his handlers and assistants knew that he had a problem but you know i don't know the story on that he probably resisted because of the stigma yeah you can't well you can't force anybody into treatment we were just talking about you know the larger right. cities like san francisco with their huge homeless problem and so many addicts just laying around on the streets shooting up and nobody seems to care um it's yeah. you know it's the money that would be needed to put somebody through treatment eight times that's not cheap yeah no, it's not cheap. And again, that's why I go back to medication-assisted treatment, because it's at, with an ap epidemic at this scale, it's really the, the best and um, most costly, uh, less costly way to deal with this problem. I mean, it's offered in an outpatient setting. And the states that pass Medicaid early on and have made this more widely available, they're already showing us the way forward with this. But we just don't seem to have... Um, our politicians on board with the kind of money it's going to uh, take to um, bring this epidemic to turn it around. Um, you know, Congress is debating right now the House and the Senate bill, opioid bills, and um, you know what we really need is uh, something on the lines of what happened as a response to HIV and AIDS. And I think you're not seeing the outcrying because. These families are so worn out. You know, if, you, if you know anybody that's dealt with this in their family, they're just yeah. so tired. They're so weary and really suffering. And um, the recovery community is largely divided as well about abstinence-only treatment versus MAT. And so um, I think the opioid epidemic has taken advantage of the fissures 
um, in between those two camps. Now, Beth, I want to ask you this question because Minnesota is well known because of Hazelden. They do a great job up at Hazelden. But I've noticed you yeah. know, they were talking about, you know, the 28 day programs of, you know, alcohol and drug addiction, mostly an alcohol situation, I guess, but some drugs as well. But I see ads now and I'm watching on TV in the very small little print. These are treatment centers, uh, mostly in mm -hmm. California. Their monthly mm -hmm. charge, which was I think. I don't know how much it is at Hazelden now, but I don't think it's much more than 28000 for the month. might be a little more, but... It's these, a ton of money. These places out in California charge between eighty-eight dollars and $200,000 to do a 28-day program. They must have really good insurance. Are you kidding? Eighty-eight thousand wow. well, to two hundred wow. grand. They look like a spa resort, yeah, like in the Bahamas right. or something. It they does do. not look anything like a rehabilitation center yeah. at all. So we've taken and, drugs. And the important thing to remember is that a lot of these centers, most centers, more than half in uh, the United States, don't allow medication-assisted treatment, which every study says is the best way. Hazelton was on the forefront of that and they began allowing it a few years back yeah they did um, but most do not and and person after person in my book dies because they're denied this treatment and this, this wasn't anything i set out to write a polemic about it's just i watched them lose access to that treatment and then relapse and then go into homelessness prostitution i mean my main character my main source in the book is was murdered on Christmas Eve in Las Vegas because she had been sent to one of these rehab centers oh, yeah. in Nevada. Uh, and, you know, at great cost, as you say, not that much, but <laughs> great yeah. cost yeah. and um, ends up uh, relapsing and living on the streets and wor working in a world of um, drugs and prostitution rings. Horrible. That's just so sad. The whole thing is really sad. Yeah, and it, and this could happen to any of us. I mean, she was the daughter of a hospital surgeon and hospital nurse and, uh, you know, uh, had, had educated family and um, uh, resources. So I just don't see us um, approaching this as a nation um, with the kind of leadership that, that it's going to require to turn it around. But I do see hope in the recent statistics coming out of those New England states that are starting to reduce their numbers. And I think we should be, you know, looking at them and um, working on ways to to increase our capacity to deliver these uh, life-saving treatments and also harm reduction um, services. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm just looking at these. There are, I looked up high-cost drug treatment centers in the United States I found 99,900,000 responses. What? <laughs> so wow. apparently a lot of people have <laughs> been looking this up and want to know what is going on here. Uh, again, I, you yeah. know, God bless these people that it actually works. And I don't know that it uh, does actually work, but here we go. It's a uh, uh, very low patient to therapist ratio. That's a good thing. Nationally recognized dual diagnosis treatment facility, board certified psychiatrist. That all sounds great. Private and comfortable high-end accommodations nutritional counseling. I think that would help as well, don't you? Nutritional counseling probably would help mm. an alcoholic or a drug addict, I would hope. Yeah, I mean, does it say it there whether they're certified by the Board of Addiction Medicine and whether they use, you know, what science says is the best treatment? I mean, that's the question. And I think, I mean, my whole thing is like people respond to addiction differently. So we should offer them all kinds of uh, the treatments should be available to everyone, all kinds of MATs. Only 2% of rehab centers allow 
all three kinds, which are buprenorphine, methadone, and um, Vivitrol. So, um, and, and, and the main thing is the person who's spending that amount of money for their kid just to have, needs to have informed consent over mm-hmm. what they're getting. Yeah. Um, we haven't really standardized or, or done much regulation at all around this multi-billion dollar industry. It is pretty amazing. You look at this, and there's one treatment center. I didn't even look to see where it was. But the number one thing on their website is, what's your insurance look like? Honest <laughs> to God. Mm-hmm. That's what you're worried about is how, how mm-hmm. the, you know, they well, got all these places listed. Does it work like regular insurance where the treatment center can say it's $100,000, but the, but your yeah, insurance paint will yeah. only give them twenty? Yeah, I don't know. I, it, that's a possibility, but I, yeah, I, if you look at the fine print on those drug and rehabilitation, uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers, at the very bottom, in very small print, well, it's kind of like those uh, uh, money lending outfits, you know, borrow from us because we can get money to you right now. And you look at the bottom, one hundred and seventy-seven percent interest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is what we're doing. Too good to be true. It is. Beth, have we always made money off of other people's misery like this? I suppose we have, huh? (laughs) Well, I I know when this um, oxycontin epidemic really started in 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 the mid to late nineties, that was really the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. And you know, that company has made over thirty billion dollars from this drug, and they just announced last week that they're going to have a. another version of it and you know they have all these lawsuits against them from towns and localities trying to recoup recoup the costs of law enforcement skyrocketing uh treatment et cetera et cetera and um i think if they really want to help with this crisis they need to give that drug to the people whose addiction they help feed um that would be a great way to um uh, uh shine up their legacy a bit well, I have a question for you, Beth. We're talking to Beth Macy uh, and, and her book, uh, which is available now, as a matter of fact, Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America. I, I just, you know, we, we keep talking about health care and Obamacare and this health care and that health care, and it's just the cost of health care is so expensive. It's just horrible. A friend of mine just was in the hospital for some minor deal. It was a minor operation. He was showing me a box mm-hmm. of Kleenex was like $125. What are we doing? Wow. A box of Kleenex. An wow. aspirin. That's an crazy. aspirin was like 25 bucks a piece. I, yeah. I, it's yeah. just ridiculous. Maybe. And the important thing is like not to let them send you home with too many opioids. And if, if sure. you only use two, be sure to take them back to the pharmacy or to like a drug take back day. Because four out of five people that start, uh, that use heroin started out with opioids. Many of them not prescribed to them. I mean, these are kids, teenagers taking them out of their parents' and grandparents' medicine cabinet. So that's a really easy thing that all of us can do. Yeah, I had, um, I had, sorry. No, go ahead. I I had knee surgery and they sent me home with a load Mm -hmm. of pain pills and they kept saying, they kept saying, stay ahead of the pain, stay ahead of the pain. You've got to stay ahead of the pain. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, what is that? And I was just, I was trying to take what they told me to take. And I just felt horrible. I mean, I, I really was like, this is yeah. horrible. I yeah. hate these things. I, I can't do pain meds either. And they make nope. me so I, I, I take a, I have um, Oxycontin that I take for severe pain with my Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. And I take, I have five milligram pills 
I can't even take five milligrams at once. Yeah. Five I, milligrams is a pretty standard dose for and, Oxycontin. And I feel like I take it and I get that hot rush and sweating like you do with morphine. Mm-hmm. And I feel nauseous and sick. And I'm like, how do people abuse this? This is the most awful feeling ever. <laughs> yeah, well, your body doesn't like it. But some people, yeah. after I had my yeah. surgery and people. Some people think they're in love. Yeah. The first time oh, yeah. No. yeah that's I'm exactly. You guys. I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the CDC in 2016 um, redid their guidelines. So now doctors are supposed to start out with way fewer and not send you home with 30 days, which is how many people that I interviewed started out with 30 day prescription for opioids. Uh, you know, one for a simple case of bronchitis. I mean, that was the young woman what? I was talking about earlier that ended bronchitis. up prostituting and murdered oh, in Las Vegas. Oh. Yeah. Bronchitis? Yeah, very sad story. Mm-hmm, for sore throat pain. And, you know, we forget that when they started selling this drug, I have a coffee mug that a reader brought me at one of my events, has the Oxycontin branded logo on one side, and then on the other side it says, the one to start with, the one to stay with. So they really wanted you to be on this drug sure. long term. And sure. the reps got larger bonuses the more people and the more milligrams they talk to the doctors That's and subscribe. Horrible. So, um, yeah, it's really horrible. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, and totally preventable. Didn't need to happen for 100 years. We were very, very careful with opioids because we had had, a, uh, we'd had an epidemic with morphine after the Civil War. Right. And we knew throughout most of the 1900s that that was the bad thing to do. And then suddenly we um, let this marketing and sort of business scheme take over. Dope Sick, Dealers, Doctors, and the Drug Company that Addicted America. Beth Macy, the book is available everywhere, I'm assuming. Yes, all at all the places. Local bookstores, Barnes & Noble, <laughs> Amazon, all the places. Thank I you so it. much for having me on today. Oh, Beth, you were great. You were a great guest. Thank you. Have a good day. Oh, great to meet you guys. Take nice care. to meet you Bye. as well. Yeah, it, it, that's the part of it that upsets me, and I know we only got about 30 seconds here, but... You charge people $125 for a box of Kleenex and 25 bucks for one aspirin, and then you're complaining to the taxpayers you're not supporting health care? sick. How is it our fault that you overcharge for everything by massive numbers, and it's mm-hmm. our fault because we won't support health care? Well, and, Come that, on. and then that's another thing, too. I mean, like, the reason why I got off my Crohn's meds, because uh, I had insurance changes, and then I, I lost my insurance— um, my medication that I was on, Humira, mm-hmm. I was taking two injections a month, $4,000 for two injections. <sighs> See, this is what Who I'm has $4,000 a month to spend on medication? And my doctor wanted to up my yeah. my dose, or I, she wanted me to take four shots a month. So that would have been $8,000 cash price for that medication. You can't buy three, get one free? No, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have a generic for it. Wow. Or anything like that. So it's like they're pricing people out of having proper medical care, and then they're just giving them stuff that they're going to be addicted to. And it's your and my fault, by the way, because we don't support it as taxpayers. Yeah, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do a great guest today, great commentary by the people here. Catherine, it's nice of you to show up for the last 10 minutes of the show. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Tom Bernard, (laughs) show.